us to podcast, an album-by-album review of Sting's worsening work relationships. I'm Adam Ragusea. This podcast was Meg's idea, but I've gradually taken all creative control for myself. I'm Meg Donahue, and Stuart Copeland and Andy Summers weren't the only ones to have to work with a narcissist. Indeed. Today, we're going to talk about The Police's third album, Zenyatta Mandata. I have been practicing saying that in the mirror, so I didn't like stumble over it. Well, it's fine. I don't understand the like. I know. I, I get the etymology, right? The origin of out, outlandos d'amour, mm-hmm. and uh, which is you know, ca- ca- outlaw cowboys of love, 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 that kind of shit. And then the the right the white men's reggae, right? What the hell does Zenyata Mandata mean? Do you know where that? Something to do with the world. Oh, Mond. Yeah, Mond. Yeah. And then um, the Ada is a <laughs> – because I looked it up. I'm like, why would you name your album this? Um, the Ada goes back to uh, Regatta de Blanc. And then Zenyata is a person. I didn't click on that link, though. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I – this is – There's a very fractured logic to it. <laughs> I was I thought I figured it was named after Adats from Star Wars. Oh, see, I always call them Adatats. The Adatats are attacking. <laughs> the Adatats are attacking. Use your harpoons and tow cables. Go for the legs. It might be our only chance of stopping. Those things are not stable. <laughs> I know. And they're so terrifying. But I was little when I watched that movie. Why would you have a thing with legs when you ha- can fly? Right. Or, or hover. Or, or hover. D- you know. Why bother? That makes with no legs? fucking sense. <laughs> That is only so that somebody can, like, tie a grappling hook around your legs and trip you. And, and like, fall in a really dramatic way. Yeah. On some Ewoks. That is the oh, own, oh, oh, Poor right. guys. Poor little guy. Poor little guy. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Zendata Mandata was released in 19... <laughs> <laughs> didn't practice enough. I didn't. I didn't. It's just going to go like that. Zenyatta Mandata was released in 1980. What was happening in the world in 1980? British steel workers went on national strike. In an ironic turn of events, they gave decades of work to hack British screenwriters and playwrights everywhere. So, it's a steel worker strike drama, but this time it's told from the point of view of a village dog who can oil paint. (laughs) With only his left foot. Only his left foot. Because it's the only foot he's got because of the war? Oi! Oi! Singer Gautier was born, and I think that he sounds an awful lot like Sting. I have no joke or deeper observation about that. I don't care for Gautier. <laughs> I, I don't care for him. I don't care yeah, for I don't, him. I don't care for that Gautier I, I boy. I don't care. <laughs> Have you ever seen the video of um, the whole band working on one ginormous guitar? I think it's supposed to be really artistic, but it just comes off as kind of creepy. I just saw the naked one. Oh, of course you did. There you go. <laughs> oh, there you go. ABC's nightly Iran hostage crisis program is renamed Nightline, which is just a genuinely fun fact. What? Adam gets to bring his guitar in, but I'm not allowed to share my passion for the history of American journalism? That's some bullshit. Ted Koppel is the sting of journalism. He really is. In the sense that they're both blonde. 
Yeah. I've got nothing else. In the sense they both existed in the same timeline. <laughs> it's just like stick. <laughs> no, Ted Cobble was not in a parallel universe. Right, exactly. They're, they're both in the prime universe. Yep, they really are. They're so in much universe, in common. They're in universe A. <laughs> 1980, the year that Sting and Ronald Reagan conquered America. Woot woot. Do you like Zenyatta Mandata? I, I, I've got some, um, I did. Let's say what I, I did. did. I did. And I have uh, evolved on the point, though. Um, I really did like it when I first listened to it. But if you really sit down and listen to it, like, as an adult, it's not that great. Yeah, it's, this is another one where it's just like... They're really rushing in without enough songs. But they did that with the second album. I know. And that worked out really well. No, it didn't. It worked out well for like the three or four great songs on that album. I think it worked out well if we're talking musically. That was their best album musically. But this one, I think, is their worst album musically. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it has, again, it's like every one of these so- albums has like a few just golden classic songs right. on it. But then there's just lots of. There's a lot of yeesh. filler. There is yeah. a lot of yeesh. Um, and I, I, I will make the argument that the yeesh is not just the result of poor songwriting. Um, some of it is just like is in the recording process. But we'll, we'll talk about that. We should start with the, the first song. It was recorded in Dublin. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sting playing his uh, bass pedals. Doing it. Um, <laughs> that's the sound of the 1980s right there. A, it is. A square, a filter opening on a square wave. It's <laughs> a great opening, though. I love how um, almost invisible the guitar is here. It's just like yeah. a little scratch. Young teacher, Sinister. The subject of school she wants this, uh, this really is not a song for the Me Too moment, is it? Really is it? Really? Really is it? Sort of like you changed the, uh, the chorus too. She brought it on herself. She brought it on <laughs> I really do like the chorus of this song. Yeah. Um, musically, I like it. I, it's just a, it's li- like so many Sting songs. It's a great just phrase, really pregnant with a lot of meaning. Don't stand so close to me. That's just, yeah. that's great. He often, um, actually, hold on. I found, a, I found a, a clip along these lines where he's talking about his songwriting process and... This is from 1997, and you will know because he's got his, like, post-grunge goatee. He does. Mm. I think this must be, um... It must is be this, what? Is this the Soul Cages era? No, this is after, uh, what do you call it? Mercury Falling. That's a great album. No, it's a horrible it's album. It's such oh, a good we'll, album. We'll get to that. Okay, so here he is talking about his songwriting process in 1997 on ABC. What's it on Nightline? For me, a song begins has to begin with an idea that almost encompasses the whole song before you've written it in other words it, ha- it has to have an integrity from the title <laughs> you know a hook if you like and then I write backwards from that I don't just sit down with a guitar and write the first line you know because then you have to write a second line I'll write something that, that can expand into a whole song some idea 
So to me, that explains a lot about Sting's songwriting, just knowing that about his process. It, that he starts with a concept? And, and often a title, into... right? Yeah. Or a, a title or a single line or something like that. Right. Because usually there's like, that's the best thing about the song. And then the rest is just kind of like, eh. Filler? Just supporting? Again, um, you know, it's his thesis. I think he comes from an academic background and that's... You can even see that in his songwriting. You can also see it in the fact that he's writing a song about doing it with high school girls. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear. He's not doing it. The character, the character is doing, doing it. it. <laughs> it's not Sting. I'm sure Sting never did it with, you know, anybody. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> so I suppose it invites... The exploration, the imagination to think about Sting ha- after having completed his O levels, right? Whatever right. the hell, I, don't... <laughs> I think it was A levels. A levels. He's just so good. It went straight to A levels. Is are A levels better than O levels? I think O levels are the one you take earlier, and then you get to leave school. And then if you continue on and want to go to college, they look at your A levels. That but... makes no sense because O comes very far after A. Yeah. I would think that A would be the lowest level of achievement. A lift is also an elevator. <laughs> um, so it's you know, just bizarro America. He goes to he goes to teach your college, and he's like teaching English literature. Yeah, um, and you know, despite the mullet, which we now know about, <laughs> he still must have been a very very attractive young man to I, be in a classroom with a bunch of younger women. I think he was. I think he was pretty young too. He's probably. Yeah. I don't know, maybe 21, 22. Yeah, so he's just a few years older than them. Yeah. And uh, I'm guessing that this is not just about a character. Well, he did say in an interview once it, it it's something that he ran into while at school. It wasn't him, but it was someone that he knew. Sure. <laughs> my, my, friend, <laughs> my friend. Gordon. Schmorden. Schmorden. Schmorden <laughs> Yumpster. <laughs> Schmorden Yumpster. You don't know him. My mate. You don't know him. He we, goes to a different school. Yeah, Gordon we, Yumpster. We were mates. <laughs> Good lad. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, not a song for the Me Too moment, this. But to, to his credit, mm-hmm. you know, there have been songs in pop music about, you know, doing it with a younger lady. And it's, it's sort of it's a sort self- of a, It's sort of a trope. A thing, yeah. But this is a lot more sophisticated. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. I think it's it, not, it's, it's a, it's come we've come a long way from she was just 17, you know what I mean. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You really, um, he developed a character here who was definitely not him. It was definitely not him. <laughs> Schmorden Yumpster. So the other interesting thing for me to talk about the song is the, um, the sort of bridge section. Uh, here it is. And this is where Andy Summers busts out his good friend. The guitar synthesizer. How do you do, fellow kids? Uh, you know, I he's so good. Oh, he's, he's so, so good. good. He's so good. But I have very mixed feelings about the guitar synthesizer. Here, um, tell me more about your feelings. So here, here he is uh, in an interview with Jules Holland, who again, I don't know why anyone ever put Jules Holland on television. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, he's just like. But to us, you know, again, to play good cop here, he does get a really interesting. 
interview. He and does. it's not just about the person, it's about what these people are actually passionate about, which is music yes. and nerding out over gear and sounds. That's and why they gave him the job. That's why they gave him a job. Does it does well seem pretty niche, but he's made a career out of it. So here's this here's this he did this great television interview um with the police during the filming of the next album, Ghost in the Machine. Yeah. And we probably were they listened in to some of this. What's that? Were they in Monster Rock? They were, yes. Um, which is a place. It is a place that was exploded by a volcano later on. And they had nothing to do with that. Nothing to do with it. Um, Just and, fun facts. <laughs> but in this, interv- in this interview, um, uh, Andy Summers is showing Jules Holland his guitar synthesizer. And I suppose before we play it, we have to pay attention to Andy's clothing in this interview. There's a lot of tears. There's a lot of tears. He's wearing this shirt where it looks like he just came back from like a battle with a dragon. (laughs) And it like slashed across his chest. (laughs) (laughs) All my shirts like this. (laughs) 1983. What would that sound like without a fifth? Fifth is straight. It's a straight sound like this. So yeah, someone came up with the great idea in the 1980s that it's not enough just to have a synthesizer. It's not enough for a guitar to be a guitar, but you have to be able to use a guitar to control the synthesizer Mm -hmm. for reasons I really have no idea why. (laughs) Um, But boy, Andy Summers does love his guitar synthesizer. They do. They're gearheads. If you watch... um, Stewart's uh, Does Everyone Stare documentary, you'll see that they are super nerd gearheads. Um, they also, if you watch that documentary, you see that they're really into um, having sex with women. They really like those ladies. Mm. 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 Uh, this is a clip that you flagged for us to watch. This is um, uh, in between, this is leading up to the recording of Zenyata. Mandata. Yes, this and, is after um, Regatta de Blanc, and they had been touring the world for a whole year, and they, uh, I guess they went out to Hawaii for a vacation, and there's a bunch, there's the three of them on a boat with about 27 ladies in string bikinis, so. Except I'm stuck. <laughs> I guess it's now official. We can call ourselves rock stars. So how do we handle this? They all look really guilty. My comment is um, Hawaii is somewhere to be returned to as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny because because Andy just looks, he goes to hide. Like yeah. he pops his head in and then he's like, bye. He's like, I can't handle this. I got to go. And for these gentlemen to have to feel, to, for these gentlemen at this stage in their lives to feel shame, they must have done something they must have done real something. intense on they that may- boat. <laughs> so the whole thing was just coming off as really awkward. <laughs> just like, Stuart, hey. Stuart, this is not a good time for the camera. Exactly. Put it down, Stuart. Put it down. <laughs> but to get back to Dan- Don't Stand So Close to Me. Yes. Um, although I do have a lot of warm feelings for this song, despite its creepiness. Right. Um, it does contain possibly the worst line of <laughs> of any famous rock song 
from the last 40 to 50 years. Yeah. It's no use. <laughs> Do you really need to give a shout out to Navrikov? I, I mean, that is, although, <laughs> I can't, Sting, I want to help you here. I want to prop you up, but I can't, I can't. It's just, it's really. The singular achievement of that line to me is how you can write something that is at once unbearably pretentious and at the same time incredibly banal, right? <laughs> So it doesn't tell you anything. It's just like, just like the old man in that book, you you know that book, <laughs> that book by Nabokov. And also rhyming cough with cough. Yeah. I, it's, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's so, so bad. bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. But I'm sure it brought a lot of people to the library to read dirty books by old dirty Russian, Russian writers. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. Right, exactly. <laughs> Time to talk about our first sponsor for today's show, Pompous Douchebag Books. If you're a pompous douchebag, come buy the books that will help you telegraph that air of smug superiority to everyone who has the misfortune to be in the room with you. Yeah, nothing screams, hey, I'm leading a deep, complex inner life over here, like sitting in the corner and thumbing through an old tea-stained dog-leafed copy of perhaps that book by Nabokov. Mm. 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 Really sends the message that you want to send. It really does. But who wants to actually read a book like that and get it all tea-stained and dog-eared? I just don't have the time. I just don't have the time. Who has the but time? But I want the credit. I have too many women to have sex with on boats. On boats. I'm okay. in Hawaii. <laughs> All right. So the great thing about the folks at Pompous Douchebag B- Books is that they have tea-stained all of these copies for you. They have dog-eared them for you. They have worn out the spine so that they've got all those creasy creases, right? Right, right. Oh, all that real good-looking stuff that looks like you really read that book to shit, oh, right? I, I want to have sex with that guy. Mm. They also, they'll also write marginalia in for you. And in really, really big letters so that people from all the way on the other side of the coffee shop can see that you have deep thoughts about that book by Nabokov. Oh, I love an annotated copy. It's a great, great service these folks provide. So check them out. Pompous douchebag books. All right. What neighborhood would they be in? In the West End. In the West End. We'll say that it's somewhere in the West West End. End. Yeah. Yeah. That's the the, the fancy side, right? That's the theater side. The the theater Theater side. side. Yeah. Theater side. The East End is was the where all the tramps lived, West right? West End girls, do 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 do. do sorry, with that's, with East End boys. That's the only reason. Yeah. That's the only way I know the socioeconomic geography <laughs> of London is that song, that Pet Shop Boys song. Yep, yep. And I'm sure it holds true to today. Absolutely, it does. Yeah, because there's been no gentrification since then. None. Yeah, none. Everything's like an 1860s postcard. <laughs> Now, as we move on in Zenyata Mandata, <laughs> we see that Sting is beginning his socially conscious phase. Which is really interesting because, um, yeah, you, you see the old Sting still rearing up his head who wants to ride in the limo with the queen. Mm-hmm. But you've got, you now know. Now he's starting to feel a little bit bad about it. Now he's starting to feel a little social 
consciousness. So he has to write a song like Driven to Tears. The songs at this phase are really starting to get very kind of groove driven, and it's not a thing that I really like. I, yeah, I think it's it's the fact that they didn't have very uh, much time for this album, yeah, yeah. and they were exhausted. And it, I just think it's their best effort. And why is there so much pain in the world? Well, too many cameras and not enough food. I mean. <laughs> I know that people have covered this song, and it's apparently really important and whatever. But so important. I just too many cameras, not enough food. He feels their pain, he does. He does, but I feel like, you know, Stuart really saves the song. Oh, Stuart saves everything he touches. He really does. So does so does Andy. I mean, I really think that Andy's Andy has really found his guitar sound on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I can't, I just can't, his influence on the 1980s, Andy's, is just so freaking enormous um, that that sound, I can't trace it to anyone else. I, I mean, please tweet at us with our hashtag... <laughs> Dad's, Dad's jazz, jazz ships. ships. <laughs> if you know of anyone before Andy Summers who was doing that very thin, you know, very high frequency, shimmery guitar sound of the 1980s before Andy Summers, I really think that he invented it. And one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why that is like my favorite electric guitar sound is, again, we were talking about before, which is that like it 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 keeps the guitar in a rather confined area of the of the. Spectrum? Of the frequency spectrum, yeah. It's thin, it's small, you know? Whereas, like, everyone now wants, like, the biggest, fattest guitar tone. Right. And it leaves no room for anything else to happen. Um, And I just, you know, um, like, Rush adopted this guitar tone right after this and did their very best work with uh, Permanent Waves and Moving Pictures. And one of the wonderful things about them adopting that guitar tone, and maybe I'll drop a little Rush here um, in (laughs) post-production. It allowed um, Getty Lee's bass playing to be heard. And he's like the greatest rock bass player ever. And you can hear him play um, on the records of that era because Alex Lifeson is playing with this very thin little Andy Summers guitar tone. And it's so good. They complement each other. As opposed to like later Rush albums where the guitar is just stomping all over the bass. And it's like, why bother having the greatest, uh, you know, bass player in rock in your band if your rhythm guitar is just going to cover him up? Do you think that maybe in a just to take the the devil's the devil's point here? Um, do you think that this that's, is maybe that's, that's the term for it? That's the devil's the phrase. point. The devil's point. I'm going to take the devil's point here yeah. and, and wonder if maybe Sting pushed the frequency higher so his bass player his bass could be heard. Heard po- possibly, um, but I don't care, and that you know yeah. it, it all works out. Yeah. Um, but of course, it's not just the guitar that's high at this era. <laughs> It's, man, it is Sting's voice. Sting's voice is very high. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, And again, it's a great thing because it keeps his voice out of the way of other instruments in the texture. Mm -hmm. But it's so interesting to me that like, you know, a high voice is not generally something that we consider to be manly, right? Right. And somehow this man makes a really, really high voice sound really masculine. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of anybody else who does that. And Jeff Buckley is the only other one that I can think of. Oh, not as high, though. 
You don't think? I think I here's 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 where I think why I think Sting's voice is manly despite being insanely high. Because mm-hmm. it sounds like a wolf howl. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. He's got that wolf howl down. <laughs> <He's> got... <laughs> well, speaking of Sting's high voice, um, if we listen to the song Canary in a Coal Mine, mm-hmm. which, by the way, um, the lyrics of this song. Yeah, great. Really? Great. They're great. Tell me why. Because there are certain people that um, that'll just complain about everything. And you can just play this song in your head. It's like a little... It's a little fun treat for you. <laughs> but I think that he misunderstands what what the metaphor of a canary in a coal mine would be. Because right? um, this, this is just a song about a, about a hypochondriac, someone who complains about everything. Right, but a canary in a coal mine actually did have a very important job. Yeah, well, or all, but to, to, <laughs> to, to die for the sake of other people. To be the first to die to save all of the others. Yeah, right? he's taking that's, it as That's being... what a canary in a coal mine is. And that's like a much more kind of rich territory to mine for a song than just, oh, canaries in coal mines are like weak little bitches. <laughs> you know, that's, that is an interesting point. Thank you. That... <laughs> Yeah, someone who's maybe a little bit too oversensitive. Mm. But maybe you're looking at it wrong. But speaking of high voices, listen to the high harmony. Really, really high, right? Yeah. But get this. I've discovered something. My forensic team. Oh, your two kids. My forensic team has been going through the tapes, and we have discovered that Sting is a fraud. <gasps> bum, with that, bum, bum. With that voice. Okay, get this. Get ready. I'm ready. I'm okay, ready. I'm ready. So, I'm ready. in um, Andy Summers' little homemade documentary, yep. Everyone Stares, mm-hmm. um, there's a bunch of footage of them in the studio working on Zenyata Mandata. And pay very close attention to this. So Sting is recording the vocals. Let me take the other one down a bit. You can sing this harmony melody without having to hear the other three down. Um, why don't you very speed it down in that case? Yeah. What he just said there, Sting just said is, why don't you vera speed it down in that case? I saw that and it didn't mean anything to me. Yeah, vera speed is the function on tape recorders where you could actually... Um, turn a dial and with very fine control adjust the speed with which the tape goes over the tape heads. So the standard speed for like hi-fi studio tape recording would have been uh, 15 inches per second, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, But if you make it go slower, you know, 14 inches per second, then the song will slow down and get lower. Okay. So what he's talking about is taking the song, slowing it down and making it go lower so that he can record those high harmonies, singing them as lower notes, and then they'll speed the tape back up again and it'll Ah. be super high. Here, I can even... So here's like the original... What he's talking about is like making it sound like this. Wow. That's easier to sing now. Yeah. 
And then, so he's not bumping up the high harmonies. He's just lowering the low harmonies. What he, no, he, so he's already recorded the lead vocal, which is the lower part. Okay. And in this scene, we see him trying to record the high part, and the high part is too high for him, and it's busting his voice. Right. So what he did is he's having the engineer probably just, I think, just based on the sound of it, I think he's just lowering it a half step to like here. Because that high harmony, that sounds like natural sting to me. Yeah. So that's how he, that's the key at which he recorded it. And then they sped it back up to its original key to hear. Wow. So, like, faking shit did not begin with computers and Pro Tools, all right? They were right. doing that with motherfucking tape. <gasps> yep. Wow. He cheated. He did. He done cheated. He done manipulated the tapes. <laughs> wow, that's really interesting, though. Thank you. That really is. That's a good fun fact. Don't humor me. No, it really is. Good work. Good work, forensic team. Good work, team. Good work. High fives. <laughs> Time to talk about our, our second sponsor on t- uh, today's program. I... You better land this, Ragusea. Well, I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm, I'm just laughing to myself because you've, you've started putting your punctuations outside of your quote marks because we're talking about a British person. <laughs> authentic. Totes authentic. Totes authentic. Method podcasting right Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Time to talk about our second sponsor on today's program. Gun control, transgender rights, universal basic income, can't keep up with all the socially progressive issues anymore, well, then you need Wokebox. Wokebox is a monthly home delivery system that brings the issues to progressively-minded senior citizens. Each month, you'll receive paper copies of the most socially progressive tweets burning up the internet, the most popular article on Slate.com, and a copy of the most progressive podcast that month transferred to a Maxwell tape for easy listening on your Sony Walkman. Wokebox, because you're never too old to be woke up. So my dad actually um, uh, subscribes to Wokebox. And he's like, Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. get get what happened to my woke box. (laughs) What happened to my woke box, Maggie? What happened to it? Um, The neighbor kids, they took my woke box. (laughs) Can you call? Can you call the company? (laughs) So I think like a a lot of older men, um, they pretend to be conservative. It's part of uh, this idea. It's part of the toxic masculinity of certain. They're pressured into it. So (laughs) all their friends, all their friends friends on the schoolyard, all their friends at the schoolyard. Just like, are just Billy, like, your skin isn't orange enough. <laughs> Billy, William, what's your thought on the tax code? It's just sort of, you know, you better be conservative because you're a guy and you're old. So Wokebox is a, a great present for, you know, these secret liberal old people. Right, yeah. You know, it comes in just a, a cardboard box. Yeah. Nobody needs to know. Oh, no outward markings no, or anything uh, like that? No, it, yeah. It's like how they used to do pornography in mm-hmm. the 70s um, when, you know, you got the Playboy yeah. and the... Yeah. <laughs> the brown the wife bag. won't be able to tell. Exactly. The wife won't be able to tell that you woke. <laughs> so it's a great present. Um, if you use the uh, the code woke up on their website, uh, you get 75% off your first box. Yeah. Does it include driven to tears? It really d- it does. It, it's the paper lyrics, though. The paper lyrics. Yeah. Because you can't. 
you know. Old guys old guys can't handle a groove like that. They can't handle a groove like that. They can't. They can't. You gotta just gonna blow their 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 high waisted pants right off of their nipples. Boom! All right, what other songs do you want to listen to? Um, I think uh, a good so we got the beginning of Woke Sting, but then you also have um Let's see. What is the other one? Um, the world is running down. Yeah. Yeah. So it's his ode his to post, capitalism. His post-apocalyptic capitalist. Yeah, exactly. So you sci-fi see that, vision. You see that tension that seems to be, for me at least, um, essential to Sting. Is this? He loves. He loves shit, man. He loves. Stuff. He loves stuff. He loves. Loves stuff. his material goods. He really does. But he wants to be a good guy, and he wants to be socially minded and he wants but he can't and that's that driving force about him they say a man can't have it all yeah but that guy does Sting does he does he's got a boat full of ladies in Hawaii he's got it all (laughs) the lyrics are gonna fucking start in this song (laughs) oh he loves James Brown. Got to oh, signal that. Got to do it. Got to do it. So authentic. Let's see. You know what we should do? A name dropping list. Oh, my God. Name drop count. Running list of Sting name drops. Yep. Holy crap. Sting, Sting name drop bingo we could do. <laughs> All right. We'll work on that for next episode. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, see, I like the song, but again, it's like it is that one groove the whole way through. Yeah, and there's a lot of songs on this record that are like that. Yeah, so um, I was reading about them. <laughs> I was reading about them. I don't know why I said that. Like, it was a new thing. Um, <laughs> I would hope that you would do some so, research. I was reading about them recently, and they were talking about this this album and how it was just a ploy for commercialism, and. It really is. Well, where you really hear that, I think, is in da do 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 That is very, mm. like... And I like this riff. I really, really do. Um, but it's very much like this is just a cutesy love song for the pop charts. Uh, I think it's his skewering of the, the pop songs. You think so? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he's gonna. It's it's a very sting thing to do to be like, I'm gonna take some pot shots at this thing while at the same time knowing that it's going to be received as a cutesy pop song and it's gonna make me boatloads of cash. But I secretly know because I'm smarter than you Mm -hmm. that I'm I'm skewering. Yeah. It's funny. I I saw an interview. I don't know where it was recently. um, Where Stewart was talking about how. In America, they really had to. Yeah, students. There was a reading. Tea stained dog eared copy of <laughs> The History of the Police. Did you get this over Yeah, I sure did. Nice. Um, and Stuart was saying that in America, they sort of they built their fame rather gradually over the course of their first tour. Yeah. But in England, they were an overnight success as a boy band, basically. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is sort of a boy band song. It is. But again, if you really listen to it, Oh, if you really, if, if you really, really listen to if it, you really peer into Sting's I heart. I mean, if you really do a deep dive, if you do a close reading of the lyrics, mm. you go deep on you Sting. Go deep on there's Sting. There's so much there behind those eyes. 
behind those perfect eyes. So cheekbones.、Mm. Arian. <laughs> Although I was made uncomfortable with Andy's、uh, jokes about bringing back the Fourth Reich in in Stewart's movie. Oh my God!、Yeah. I didn't see that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Very British. Very gallows humor. So, like I said, I think that part of the reason that this album is is sort of falls a little bit flat is that they went in with not that many songs, and a lot、right. of these are just kind of crapped out.、Um, but what's more kind of you know confounding to me is that、um, you actually have a few really good songs on here that are the the recording slash arrangement is just horrible, and the best horrible. example of horrible it's terrible. Terrible.、Um, the best example of that is Shadows in the Rain.、Um, Ooh, okay. Which so. As a Sting fan, you're probably more familiar. If you're a Sting fan, you're、yes. more familiar with a later version. A of this. later version. But it's so freaking weird. It's really, really, really weird. And it doesn't land.、So、it does it not land, and so it just annoys me. Yeah, and I felt that same way about、um, "Behind a Camel." Oh, we'll, we'll get back to that one. Oh, that annoyed me. Another thing I got to show you about this really quickly. So I, I thought that this song just it just sucked in its first iteration, and then Sting later fixed it on his first solo album. But if you go back, if you my forensic team、oh. go into the tapes.、Um, Good work, Casey and Allison. <laughs> <laughs> I don't pay them; they're just here on work experience. Oh, they're good kids.、Um, they're from they're from Oxbridge. Oh, we love good work. Good work.、Uh, so, if you watch the、um, the Stuart Copeland documentary, here they are in like the control room at the studio practicing that song. Yes, Andy's playing it on the guitar, and Sting is is singing it. And、mm-hmm. just just listen. That's how it ends up sounding on the solo record. It does. So that's where it started out. It's、yeah. just like the like totally cool little jazz tune that、right. it was. Yeah, jazz. Jazz. All comes back to jazz. It all comes back to jazz.、Mm. It really does. It's actually a really good song. And what what the hell possessed them to do whatever the, like the ambient? You right.、Know, yeah. To deconstruct it and put it back together in a way that doesn't make any sense, sense at to all. the song. Yeah. Any sense to the album? Well, it actually makes sense to the album, which. Doesn't say a whole lot about the album. In the sense that it's bad, like much of the album. Like much of the album, like yeah. And then there's the camel song. That that song makes me so mad. <laughs> Just like <laughs> Andy, don't waste my time. Yeah. I've got to go to the grocery. When I hear stuff like this, I'm like, I got to go to the grocery store. I need to throw in some wash. I don't have time for this bullshit. <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> I got some work to do. Don't waste my time. I'm personally offended by this. So hold on. All right, we've officially heard the whole song. There we go. That's there we it. Go. That is that on a loop、yep. the whole time. <laughs> so Sting hated this song so much that he refused to play bass on it.、Yes. That's Andy playing bass. <laughs> he actually, yeah, he actually、um, buried it in the garden. 
master tape. I'm not sure how true this is, but they say that Sting um, stole the master tape for this song and buried it in the ground. He hated it so much. Buried it in the garden. Was he using garden in the American sense of a place where you nope. grow fr- flowers and vegetables or, or in the British sense where it's just a yard? Uh, it's just a yard. In I'm back, pretty sure it's just a yard. Garden. Yeah. 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 And I, Wait, I just, so they recorded this in what? Uh, the Netherlands. So we yes. really need to, to check out what they call a garden. <laughs> so say some, with some kind of authority. 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 I, it's, this I'm, song this kills song, me because oh, I, I, really, so I really want to be in Andy's corner. I really do. Yeah. I really so want to be, in, you so know, talented. Andy and Stewart, I really want to be in favor of their songs being on records. Yeah. But like, God, in this case, Sting was really right. It's like a horrible haunted house. I right. hate it. It won't stop. I, I like the basic sort of aesthetic of it. I think it's kind Oops. of a neat and there's like a neat guitar sound. But literally, this is all there is to it. That it is. doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't do anything. No. It's like Andy's fuck you. To yeah, the world. I don't understand it. And it won the Grammy for Best Instrumental. Why? Why? And that just gives you an indication of how people voting for that shit, they're not voting for anything that... They're just voting for what they think they're supposed to vote for. Right, they're exactly. just like, oh, yeah, I heard the police does good instrumental stuff, so... <laughs> check! Check! I'm not going to waste your time listening to it because it is not good. <laughs> Not good. Not good. And Nigel Gray um, was the producer on this album and the two earlier ones. Nigel? Nigel Gray. Nigel? Hello, it's me, Nigel. Hey, Nigel, why'd you got to do a bad job on this album? <laughs> you got paid more, <laughs> but your work ethics is shit. <laughs> he says, I'm not, I'm not a producer. <laughs> I, I'm a shipwright, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I build shit. Sorry, love. Music producing, I don't know. I don't know. It's got a, a double hole on that boat. <laughs> Gonna do it. <laughs> There's a ton of crap on this album. And this was like one of their most commercially successful albums. It's I th- and this this really gets to my my chief your chief cheese, my your chief, chief cheese, be- your chief beef, oh, my oh! cheese. Where it really gets my cheese, this record is that like to me, this is actually in many ways, this is actually the police's high point. Um, where in terms of developing their sound, yeah, right yeah. of of just the three piece, right, and not doing a tons of overdubs or anything like that, but basically just the three piece and the the interaction of that that guitar sound with the drums and everything and the mm-hmm. and the you know all the pieces are there and they're really killing it as a three piece band. Yeah, and 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 really this is where that ends, you know, because Ghost in the Machine and the next, I mean, the next two records, it, it just it stops being a cool three piece band. It starts getting um, really slick. It starts getting really slick. It really just starts to be sort of Sting's solo project. Yeah, it does. Um, so to me, they're really at their high point as a band right now. You think? But, I think but, for, for me, it's the second album. For me, it's Regatta. Or they, thereabouts. Sure. Yeah. Okay, thereabouts. In in this period, they're really at their high point. But they also made arguably their weakest album in Zanadada yeah. during this high point. Yeah. And where you, I think you can really see their high point um, being expressed is in like the live uh, performances from this era. Mm-hmm. And in fact, let's pull something up and like... Ooh, there are some really great ones. It's interesting. I've seen Sting a bunch of times live. Um, you have? Uh-huh. You go to concerts? I do. I, I do. I'm not I'm not huge on them now, but I used to. And I actually saw when the police 
reforms. Um, but Sting is not as interesting a performer now as he was with his, you know, angry young man yelling at people to, you know, that's a fire hazard, you bastard. <laughs> he cares about the people. He, he really okay. does. Yeah. But like, God, listen to him at this era. They're so good. So one of the cool things I like is that they're both, both Andy and Sting are playing lots of keyboards at this time while they're playing their own guitars. So they've both got like foot pedals with cool little drone things mm-hmm. on them. Gearheads. Like they're gearheads. There's no other instrument instrumentalists from, this is the last tour that they only toured as a three piece for Ghost in the Machine on up. They, um, why are people talking over this performance? Shut the fuck up. Anyway. <laughs> shut, shut up, you bastards. <laughs> I suppose we're talking over the performance. <laughs> <laughs> Um, We're not Boston, so yeah. So are you but talking this, about from, like from, like the techs and yeah, stuff? Yeah, go, no, Ghost in the Machine on forward, they actually had other musicians on stage with them. They had horn sections and background singers and stuff mm. like that. This is them just as as a three-piece at their absolute peak, making an enormous amount of sound for three guys. They really are. They really are. And the thing is, they're working together, but they're like discrete pieces of each band. They're... They really are individuals working together, <laughs> which is like... Well, there's a word for that. <laughs> Collaboration? Uh, Collaboration? Of musical bands? <laughs> I mean, just look at that energy. Yeah. Just look at it. They're singing their background vocals reasonably competently at this phase. Yeah. I also had a revelation watching this performance and a couple like it is that... Um, at least at this phase, the police were a jam band. I think so, but I think they were constrained. Yeah, no, when no, I no, think they, of a jam yeah. band, I think like fish. Yes. I think about things that bother me. Okay, uh, they were a tasteful jam band. Yes. And if one, okay, if I were to define jam band, it's sort of like pop or rock done in more the style of. Jazz, <laughs> but 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 in a specific sense, like right. So in a in a sort of real conventional kind of jazz performance, you have a, you do have a tune, you have a song. Mm-hmm. They call it the head, right? Like right. where where you know they'll play like the famous tune that everybody knows for that particular jazz piece, and then they'll just use that as a point of departure to improvise on for twenty fucking minutes while everybody's <laughs> girlfriend goes and gets a drink. <laughs> And then you they know, come I back love to the Brian, hand but the- he keeps bringing me this jazz shit. <laughs> and then eventually, after 35 minutes, they come back to the head, and uh, then everybody goes home, right? Right. And the police didn't do that, but they often did something close to it, where, like, mm-hmm. there was a song, you know, um, that was the basis of then a departure, but then, and then they come back to the song again. They and do. the departures were not as indulgent as, you know, you would see with... It's, it has form. Yeah, it's it has got, form. It has meaning. It's right. not just loosey-goosey. I, I feel, yeah. Yeah, I, maybe that was a bad comparison. I guess I sort of think of... You think of like a group like the Allman Brothers, where, you know, essentially what you have is like a bunch of blues, jazz, improvisationalists, mm-hmm. and then embedded within them like a couple of singer-songwriters in the form of Dickie Betts and um, what's his name? Sexy sexy Blonde Almond. Oh, hello. Um, Greg Mutton, Ch- M- Mutton Chops Almond. Ooh. Greg. Greg. 
Gregory. Gregory, the one who was married to Cher. Cher still calls him Gregory to this day. Aww. Right? Oh, that is sad. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, like that's, you know, <clears throat> you basically you had like a singer-songwriter who would like do the very brief singer-songwriter portion of the song, mm-hmm. which would last for two minutes, you know? <laughs> right. And then they'd just fucking play for 35 minutes and then they'd come back to the song at, at the end. And yes, the police He's in line with that. that girlfriend getting a drink. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Police didn't do that, but they jammed a lot. And to me, all the live performances from this era, 1979, 1980, are just really exciting to watch. They really are. Um, They, I think it was Pink Pop Festival that uh, they headlined headlined in the Netherlands. And they were saying that it was the first time they were headlining a show. This is Stewart's documentary. And um, it was, they finally got to play at night because um, the people who weren't, the headliners had to play during the day, but. No, the supporting acts play during the day. During the day, headliners play at night. And um, (laughs) there was just so many drunk. What are people, Dutch people, and they're laying on uh, on the stage and just singing along, and it just looks like the police are having just this amazing time. But part of me is is just waiting for Sting to just kick one of those guys in the head that mm. are just laying on his stage and just like, loosey-goosey, what's up? And I'm like, Sting's not going to like that, but he, he Is Sting straight edge? I could see it. That seems like something he'd do. Yeah, I could see it. I could see him having no time for nonsense. Yeah, I can't be Drake. I have to go back to my hotel and do my tantric asshole exercises. <laughs> right. <laughs> Stiffen that asshole. <laughs> for 18 hours straight. <laughs> control freak. He's a control freak. Mm, gotta, con- gotta control that anus. <laughs> you gotta control it. <laughs> you with the floppy anus. <laughs> <laughs> There's one thing. That Sting cannot countenance. No, it's a floppy anus. <laughs> Oi! Oi, you with the floppy anus! That's a fire hazard. Get back to the shipyard. Get back to the ship. You need to learn to be a man. <laughs> All right, so power rankings? Power rankings. Power rankings. Power rankings. Boosh. Pew, pew. Bosh. That's what they say in England, right? <laughs> Bosh. Bosh. Power rankings. Bosh. Okay, if you are not familiar with um, how we usually... Wait, no, we did power rankings last week. We so did. You we should explained be, it. We should... Yeah. So get with it, idiots. <laughs> I'm being so confrontational today. Fucking... <laughs> Floppy anus idiots <laughs> listening to this show. Get back to the shipyard. <laughs> back to the shipyard. All right. So our power rankings from last week are number one, Atlantis Demore, and number two, Regatta de Blanc. And that was only because of the strength of Sting's lyrics rather than the music. Yes. So the it, so- songwriting is better on Atlantis, marginally yes, but, so. But the music is better on Regatta. Yes. So. What's your thought, man? Oh, oh, Zenyatta clearly has to be number three at this yes, stage. Yes, it does. Um, I mean, I would have no trouble putting Zenyatta above other things to come. <laughs> like, I don't think it's going to be at the bottom of the list for long, but like, it's clearly at the bottom of this list. Yeah, I think this is the the weakest police album. It may yeah. not be the weakest Sting album, but it is the weakest police mm. album. Hurts me. It hurts, hurts me. me too. What's coming up next week? What's coming up next week is, I hate to say it, 
actually my personal least favorite police album. I'm going to leave this room right now. <laughs> I'm going to push down this microphone, kick you in the face, leave. Ghost in the Machine. It's a good one. Ghost in the... I'm sure if Sting had had his way, you know it would have been Latin. Young. That's that's Jung. 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 Carl we'll, Jung. We'll talk about Carl Jung. I got to pick it up from Papa's Asshole Books <laughs> and get read in before next pod. Right. <laughs> Don't you think that it would have been like Ghost in Ex Machina or right. whatever the... How, how do you say Ghost in Latin? <laughs> Let's go with ghost. <laughs> ghostus. 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 Ghostus <laughs> I bet that was the original title. Totally was. And, uh, totally was. Ian Copeland talked him down to me. Right, right, right. He's like, let's do something different. Wait, he's not even English. Let's do something different is what he said. <laughs> that, that was your American accent? That was my American accent. <laughs> it's almost as bad as your, your give, Geordie accent. Give me an Academy Award. <laughs> Yeah, well, that'll get it. That'll be an interesting program. It's going to gonna be do. a good program. I don't like that record at all. I'm going to bring my boxing gloves. I'm excited. It's good. It's going to be good. Does Sting have any words of wisdom for us today? He sure does. Mm. He sure does. Mm. These are words of wisdom from Sting's Ode to Capitalism when the world is running down. Get ready. Get oh, ready. ready. Plug in my MCI to exercise my brain. Make records on my own. Can't go out in the rain. Is that a metaphor? I don't know, because you actually can't go out in the rain. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can. You can. It's just inadvisable. Can you not go out in the rain when you're making records? Is that? I think it's because the the world is running down, material goods are at a premium, and so no one has any wellies anymore. (laughs) No wellies. wellies. Oh, I can't afford no wellies. My Mac's got O's in it. They're so offensive. The other They're funny so thing about that lyric, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> the other funny thing about that lyric, gotta, I got, you know, it's po- it's post-apocalypse. I got to make records all by myself. Yep. That's exactly what you proceed to do, Sting. Like, as we will see with Ghost in the Machine, <laughs> he demoed that entire album by himself. The other guys had nothing to do with it. He totally wanted to make records on his own. You did not have to wait for the apocalypse for that Sting. <laughs> Nobody had to drop any nukes for you to liberate yourself. Yes. Liberate yourself from... You're totally fucking ace bandmates that you don't even deserve. Anywho, this has been Outlandos the Podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. I'm Adam Ragusia on Twitter at A Ragusia. I am on Twitter at Donahue Meg. And I don't like to think about that. Because <laughs> you. Your first name is Meg, but for some reason you put your last name first I in your Twitter was, handle. Yeah, I think there was another Meg Donahue. It was because you, you thought that Twitter was supposed to be really formal, right? Like, right. It's Donahue, <laughs> comma, Meg. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. And then um, you can find us on our hashtag as well, hashtag Dad's Jazz Ships. No, yeah. it's Jazz Dad's Ships. Dad's Jazz Ships? What is that? Jazz Dad's Ships. Oh, it's Jazz Dad Ships. Jazz Dad Ships. I think it's Dad's Jazz Ships. Jazz Dad Ships. Ah! No, I'm actually positive. It's Jazz Dad Ships. And you actually can't find us there. Add that. (laughs) You can't do it. But you can talk to us that way. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag Jazz Dad's Ships. Three things you need for a great song. We're going to go over it again tomorrow, so if you forget. Tomorrow? <laughs> it might be tomorrow. It, it might, might be, be. They might listen to it tomorrow. They might listen to it tomorrow. They might listen to it right now. Tomorrow is today. There you go. 
Oh. It's a kernel of a song right there. I'm going to build a ship about that. <laughs> Ba 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 